Welcome to The Counter Offer. I am your host, Susanna Gray-Jones, recruitment strategist and owner of Chime Search. It is my belief that it's simply not worth being a mediocre recruiter. Recruiting is tough, and it is my mission to make sure that you get all the best tricks and use the daily rituals to be the highest earning billers to become exceptional recruiters. So tune in and learn the secrets that the elite don't want you to know. I'm really excited to welcome Glenn Walsh. Glenn Walsh is a group CEO of Milk Education, Aspian Search, Advocate Group, and MLK Search. The dynamic recruitment CEO with over two decades of expertise in recruitment and talent acquisition. He's known for driving success amongst diverse industries. He also excels in building high-performing teams and fostering strong employer and personal branding. Passionate about helping recruitment consultants to director level, realize their growth potential, and achieve personal financial goals He has a lot of interesting things to say. I hope you enjoy this episode. For anyone who's listening, I have been subtly trying to do this for about a year. (laughs) It has been that. And you being ever so polite have been, yeah, we'll make it happen. And then I email you and I don't get a reply. Mm. And then it's, is this ever going to happen? And I finally got you here. And yeah. we've met after two and a half years of chatting. Is that what it was? We were trying to work out before. Yeah. I think it does. Yeah. I, I said about more. two years. So, yeah. you, But look, if you told me it was three, I, I couldn't <laughs> argue, but it's been a while. But we've known of each other for many years. Yes. For all those listening, Glenn was my competitor when I worked in education recruitment. And we sort of had a quite, I felt quite competitive towards you. I was like, who is yeah. this milk education? Yeah. What are they doing? But now you're sat here. Can you tell our listeners a bit about you and Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, look, well, look, milk came out of Norway a bit, didn't it? In what would have been, well, an industry or an education recruitment industry that hadn't seen many new faces for a little while, I, I thought, through, through to my research. And a lot yeah. of big players, your protocols and so forth. Especially in the northwest of the country. Massively so, absolutely. So, yeah, well, look, where, where do we start when it's, I've been in recruitment for 25 years? In fact, it was my 25th anniversary in November of no. being in recruitment. Congratulations. And, um, and I, we, we even put a post out saying it's actually 25 years anniversary of my number one love, which is the recruitment industry. Nice. So, yeah, I've been doing it for a long time. We've got a mixture of businesses. The, the largest of the three businesses is an education recruiter called Milk Education. We've got an FMCG recruiter called The Advocate Group, very strong business. Another business called Aspian that yep. deals with supply chain, shipping, logistics and manufacturing. Two perm-based recruiters and Milk, of course, being very temp-orientated. Nice. I love that. And you know what? 25 years. Just yeah. hearing someone say, I've been in recruitment for 25 years and having the energy that you have. Yeah. I've spoken to your employees and I've okay. been doing a bit of research as okay. to what people actually say about Glenn Walsh, the good and the bad. There's not much bad. Okay. But one of the best, <laughs> and the bad are kind of <laughs> coinciding each other. One of the things that people say is your energy. Okay. Yeah, I bet you get told that all the time. I do. I've spoken to you in hospital. You've been told to leave. You've been told to not yep. work. And you were there working. Yeah. So tell us about this energy. Where does it come um, from? Are you drinking some energy? Yeah, drink? absolutely. I was going to say, yeah, it's not. <laughs> Is it's it not coffee? It's not, it's not coffee. <laughs> Do you know what? I think I'd like to say I have always been like that. Yeah. There's absolutely no doubt about it. So it's not necessarily been created through recruitment. Okay. But if you just look at it in any scenario, in any person, if they're doing something that they genuinely love and enjoy, there's a heightened level of enthusiasm towards it. Yeah. So if you're waking up and you're going into the office, there's no, I don't know, cause or goal or or real drive, irrelevant of what that, that is, then it's faked. 
Yeah, And it sometimes, is. and you know yourself, Susanna, I've met and I've interviewed consultants or, or managers or even directors, and you can genuinely tell that they've lost it a little bit. They don't, yeah. it's not quite there anymore. Sometimes they don't even realise it themselves. Yeah. yeah. And so if, if people recognise my energy, yeah, it's there because it's, do you know what? Life's too short. It's good fun. I think <laughs> Recruitment well, is or? Recruitment is. Yeah. Recruitment is. The industry is. And life is really. But I, I don't know. I think you, you, you've got to enter every single day with that sort of mantra and that sort of mindset, haven't you? What is it about recruitment that gets you up in the morning? Yeah, look, it could be any job. Yeah. So may, maybe with my mindset. Yeah. So I've mentioned before in the past, my father said some really strong things to me when I was younger. He was a fridge engineer, two kids, grew up in fairly humble background. He grew up, cracky, grew up on the street. So, really? I think, yeah, I think he, I don't know if he did it on purpose or he was just him suggesting things, but it, it was almost like whatever you end up doing, you've got to give it 100%. You've got to turn your relationship with work. Well, I've put more words to it, certainly as I've got older. It's that understanding your relationship with work. Yeah. If you see work as work, you'll be working for the rest of your life. Yeah. But if you see work as just your day-to-day, it's what you do, it's who you are, and it forms part of you. Yeah. Then it's not work anymore. Ooh. So that enthusiasm for me just comes from that zest of life. I would have the same enthusiasm running down to the beach. I know that sounds crazy yeah. compared to... And secondly as well, it is my job. Yeah. That is my job. That's the inspiring sort of potential leadership. If your MD business owner is walking into the office every day and looks like they don't want to be there, do, do your hundred or people want to be there? Probably not. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the questions I always ask people is, do you work to live or do you live to work? Yeah. If I was to ask you that question, what would your answer be? I think it's the same thing. <laughs> I talk about it a lot in the office about having that relationship and that correct relationship with work and seeing it as just another one of your relationship partnerships in life i think it should be worked on like any form of relationship be it relationship with a partner relationship with family i think they, they need time and yeah. more importantly it's your 10 hours a day it it's is. the one you spend the most time in and yeah. i think people put then less conscious drive into making it work and one thing i think i've done well and i, I try to support people within the businesses try finding joy and fun in the mundane yeah. Because recruitment, it can be, can't it? There's a monotony. It's brutal. Recruitment can be absolutely brutal. <laughs> as, as many are leaving it, they say it the is. average lifespan, I always say, is about two years is, yeah. in recruitment, which brings me yeah. kind of to your very beginning of your career. Okay. It didn't always go so well. Like no, when you first, quite the opposite. You, le- you worked when you left university yeah. and you, you sort of spent three years, you did the New Zealand thing. Tell us about yeah. that. Oh, ah, right. That Sorry. So, so no, that was actually within recruitment. Yeah. So, so when I first started in recruitment, so, so again, that first six months, and I think, what happened in those first six or 12 months probably made me the kind of person I am now in recruitment. Really? And it happens to everybody. What it's happened? horrific. Yeah. It's absolutely soul destroying. Yeah. You are literally, you are running headfirst every single day into no's, into people saying, no, you're not good enough. Yeah. Stop doing what you're doing. The fear of failure drove me. There's no question about yeah. it. The fear of the idea of moving back from London, because I moved to London where I first started. Okay. So my first few years in recruitment, two and a half years working for a company called Parker Bridge Accounting and Finance. Yeah. And luckily, I got the opportunity to go and head up and run the New Zealand office. Amazing. Which was a complete eye-opener when it comes to then moving out of what was the big city of London. Moving over to New Zealand was very different. Yeah. Uh, but going back to your question, it's just really difficult. Yeah. There's just, even when you get the little bit of a win, it then starts hurting you and hitting you again. Yeah. At what point did you think, I love this and I want to make it my lifelong career? Yeah. The New Zealand part helped me. 
Really? Yeah. I think moving to New Zealand opened me up to understanding a little bit more about P&Ls, a, yeah. a little bit more about the business side. And I think prior to going to New Zealand, I was a potentially good leader yeah. um, with a small team. Yeah. I then went from a small team of three or four to 20 odd people. And I had some support with that. Absolutely. No question yeah. about it. And it opened my eyes up to say, right, well, could I do that? Could I lead people? Could I manage yeah. A big difference between leadership and management, of course. Yeah. And, did, and for did the I have listeners, what would you say the main difference is quickly between leadership? Yeah, management is structure. Management is about putting in processes in place to allow people to be, do the job effectively. Leadership is about a vision. Yeah. It's about, and sometimes that vision's only in your own mind. <laughs> and it's about getting that vision into other people's minds who can't see what you can see. Yeah. And then leading people along that journey, effectively speaking. You're um, influencing them all the way, right? Yeah, very much so. So much more fun. Yeah. But awesome. again, go back to the first six months. Yeah, you feel like you've tell us this. Tell us the hard no, stuff. So, so that's I, what I, I want to know. I think when did I, it go wrong? I believe I was lucky. Yeah. And when I say this, I believe I was lucky, but it was also the thing that nearly pushed me over the edge to give up. Mm -hmm. Long story short, I had an absolute gigantic placement six months in, which it was a fixed term contract. I'd name drop. It was a company with MTV Viacom. Long and short is that we placed the candidate who would be making around about £15,000 a month. So quite a awesome. good, over a 12 to 18 month contract. Yeah. So quite a big singular yeah. placement. The guy oh, turned up in that. reception on the Monday and the client pulled the job, not necessarily the candidate not turning up. So Ooh. they brought somebody over from the States. So I went from hero to zero very quickly. So the candidate just didn't turn up at so all? No, the candidate turned up. The oh, candidate's from reception. It was actually MCV who pulled the job, who actually no. said they actually, I know. And so I'd gone from Friday night successes being the man, perhaps still drunk on Monday morning, walking top into the work. the roller coaster. Oh, literally on top of it. Oh, it, no. I'd already bought my new trainers. I bought, I'd already spent my commission in my mind for the next year. And then you walk in. And it made me reflect on the balances. The balance, recruitment is very much the balance of life as well, yeah, isn't it? There's yeah. yin and yang in recruitment. Definitely. I think you've got to be slightly mad to be oh. in recruitment with the ups and the downs. So at that point, when that happened, yeah. has there been any point along the road that you've thought, do you know what? I don't, don't, I can't do this. No. Not from a recruitment point of view. Really? Yeah. Look, in 2008, 2009, the credit crunch hit me hard. Oh, that was a real point of... N never did I, have I ever thought that I wanted to leave the industry? It's never entered my mind. Really? Uh, have I questioned my ability to be able to build and be successful? Yeah, of course I have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We all live in an element, there's an element of imposter syndrome within all of us, I think sometimes. 100%. Do you have some advice? So there's quite a lot of people who will be listening to this who have that imposter syndrome. Yeah. And they do think, oh, maybe can I do this as they grow? And especially because... How many do you have? Let's talk about milk. I mean, how many? Oh, I think moment? there's about 120 at the moment. That's all to very. Yeah, all together across the group. Oh. Milk's about 60, 70 of them. Yeah. So especially companies, education recruiters, I know lots of them, around 20 staff. Yeah. You can have one bad employee, mm. right? One negative employee, yeah. one toxic employee. That is so much more of a big deal when you've got a team yeah. of 20. Whereas when you've got over 100, mm -hmm. that you, they can hide a bit. You can make it work. You can level it out. What kind of advice would you give to those companies who yeah. are where you were at maybe yeah, in cool. 2018? You can make it work and you can level it out, but those bad eggs still shouldn't be there. Yeah. So I think if so I had my saying? time again from an advice point of view, I potentially, when I first set up, most of the businesses chased the money. So yeah. employed individuals who I just thought when I looked in the eyes, they were going to bill me a lot of money. Yeah, same um, as me. We've probably less input into them. So the idea was I'm looking for growth, so I'll get people who I can grow around. And, and in reality... What I should have been chasing is the right, is 
understanding my principles, which I've always known, understanding the vision, which I've always known, but then recruiting within that yeah. rather than thinking, well, I'll actually bend for that person slightly. Yeah. Just, I don't think they'll get on with most people, but they're going to make me money. Yeah. Because yeah. ultimately it comes back and burns you. Absolutely. And let's not forget your biggest business is education, yeah. which you didn't have experience within the education not at market. All. So no, not at all. tell us about how that was kind of born. So that was 2017. Yeah. That's, that's right. Well, it actually came because of the credit crunch. So oh. we were just very quickly within the credit crunch leading into it. I was, a, the business that I had access was a subprime yeah. financial services recruiter specifically. So we had three of the top four subprime lenders and two of them went bust. So no. we couldn't have been leveraged just in one industry so much. And I vowed moving out of that and, and somehow getting through it, nearly losing everything I owned, which was a... Seriously? Um, did you yeah, think that did. was it? Did you think this is... Um, was that rock bottom? I did and I didn't. I, I think a m maybe head in sand moment, just not wanting to believe it. So I just plowed forward, which potentially got me through it in the first place. There was an element of lacing your boots up going to war through that time period because it was a tough time. Yeah. I did yeah. A, a word credit crunch count on the news once and we got it 56 times. Wow. And news at 10. So it was very much the world and, and we were financial services. So I vowed when I come out of that, that, that I needed a level of diversification. Yeah. And I needed some form of recession proof business, effectively speaking. Yeah. I've said before, I didn't realize a pandemic would happen. Of course, I didn't make a pandemic proof business. But it was education, was the thought, temporary recruitment rather than perm, give us a bit of a mix of a business. Yeah. And researched quite a lot of markets. And I, I actually found that, and this is not disrespect to any other business, there were a lot of other education recruiters who've been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah. All new startups or startups within, say, five, 10 years of the, the research that I did, they'd all come from an education recruitment background. Interesting. So because of that, then my belief was that they would be limited by their own experience. Yes. So yeah. if they only know one thing and they lose, leave that business, they'll make certain tweaks. Yeah. But the core element will be what they've been taught and what they've learned. The Counter Offer Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Soul Space Studio. Tap into your inner strength and create profound shifts in your physical, mental, and emotional well-being at work. Soul Space Studio well-being workshops can help reduce stress and create thriving culture to deepen connections to help your team strengthen their resilience to improve their creative flow. To find out more, please check the podcast's show notes. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that it is education is often at the root of these people? What do you think it is about um, education recruitment? I don't think it's necessarily education. I think a lot of recruitment industries feel the nuances to their industry is specific to them. Yeah. And there is nuances. There, there absolutely is. But temporary recruitment and is very similar in all industries. And I've worked, probably not IT to any form of level, but most industries we've touched on and worked to a point. So look, yeah, education, I think there's a, it's a very different market, yeah, but yeah. it's a beautiful market. And the research that we did, where I actually found because people have been around for such a long time, maybe like myself, when I first started up, brand and value maybe came second and third yeah. within the establishment of the business. No one was using social media to any real no, cause and level. No, they weren't. Uh, and that, like you said, that was 2016, 2017 is when we set up the business. And we wanted to be overwhelmingly disruptive. Yeah. How well are you operating? You've got all these heads if you feel comfortable saying, how well are you operating as of the last academic year? Yeah, look, well, well we, we've doubled GP. We don't, I don't, I'm, not, I'm unsure of our turnover, but mm -hmm. literally for the past three years, we've tripled year one and continuing to double. Yeah. I don't think we will do this year. Only the reason for that is, is that I think our headcount increase 
last year won't determine that same growth this year. Yeah. We've not always got it right from a headcount perspective. We believe in trainees. Yeah. It's where I started. I've got a real passion for trainees coming into the industry. Does that sometimes mean that you potentially institutionalize yourself as being sort of a trainee academy and does it make it harder to get in some of the more experienced recruiters? Yes, but so, so we have taken on experience, mm-hmm. but mainly as heads. Yeah. So leaders yeah. come. But if you believe that you've got a culture and a way of doing things, we find that the individuals who would want to join us are those odd, slightly indifferent individuals anyway, and they've never felt comfortable at home within their current business. Yeah. So yeah. we, it isn't just a name. It's not just a gimmick. <laughs> the, the, there's an oddity about us and we don't mind saying it. Eccentricity, which That's is, the exact I think, what for. makes some absolutely excellent yeah. recruiters. And yeah. I embrace that. And it's one of the reasons I, you know, I, I would never headhunt from you and I'll still keep trying to work with you, even though my model doesn't necessarily yeah. complement yours. Where did milk education come from? So The actual name itself? Yeah. All yeah. right. So it's so quite a lot of research in all honesty. Yeah. And the good thing about this is that I was lucky because I had time. Yeah. The one thing I had at the time, we had two fundamental businesses, Aspion and the Advocate Group, which were doing very well. So it was funded through them. It was funded, funded through, through the business that they owned. Nice. And we wanted to be disruptive. So I'll actually answer this as succinctly as I can, but I could spend a long time yeah. on this because, look, we researched the market. We yeah. realised that we were selling to 40-year-old and above, yeah. mainly mainly female. We looked at the whole demographics of everything that we the decision makers within schools. And we wanted something that would have an automatic trust tick towards us. Um, schools, it's their money. If yeah. you've got a business manager yourself, he's, yeah. they take real pride in who they work with, which and very much caution. And I understand the legalities associated around it. So the first recruitment businesses we set up, we set it up with names and it sounded like we've been around for a long time. And I just thought if I'd suggested that to a, a new school and they thought, oh, heritage recruitment, sounds like you've been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah. No, we've been around for a week. It was that borderline lacking trust. We wanted the credibility to be, you've either heard of us or you've not. And we wanted to be the new boys, or the phrase, the new business on the block. Yeah. And we wanted to be loud about it. So I wanted something that actually automatically had a trust tick and made an individual either smile or think, oh, I like that. So it actually came down to the milk bottle after yeah. researching the market. I'm 47, so I was 40-year-old when I set up the business. So we looked at the demographics and the old milk bottles was the actual thing. So Everyone need, can relate to that, right? They we can. can all remember. And there's, a, there's a nostalgic nod to it as well. So when we bring them out in client meetings, you tend to find, oh, I remember them. So the psychology around it was is that there was a positive feeling towards the business. Yeah, um, I like that. And look, we through our marketing, we, we saw the milk bottlers showing our traditional values and the milk a fresh approach to recruitment. Yeah. So when we explain that to people, it's like, right, no, I see that. But the idea was to build a social media following, which would allow us to generate candidates up and above our competitors. And it also mirrors your values and yes. your ethics yeah. about being sustainable and all of that, yeah. which I we can noted. We have a bit of fun with it as well. Yeah. We can have a bit of fun with it. 100%. And I think we can have fun with the brand and yeah, that's attractive. One thing that I have heard, and I think I'm very interested in the entrepreneur, okay? okay. So... I'm interested in all of the education recruitment, but I'm also interested in the person who sat in front of me who is that driven to start three businesses. You have, right? Three? Yeah, yeah four. Great. What kind of, what their mindset? And one of the things that I've learned about you is when I tell you bad news, yeah. right? That might be something that you don't want to hear. It's like you almost have a blank to it. It's like you have this resilience. Like if I was to say to you, and I'm sure it wouldn't happen, but oh, this candidate wasn't that keen. Sorry, they're not going to take it further to interview with you you'd be like okay on to next yeah 
when does well, it hurt? Well, that's recruitment that wasn't. So when do you have like this sort of inner voice that stops you from feeling that pain? Do you have any, like, let's say your top biller, right? Think yeah, of your okay. top biller. Yeah. They handed their notice tomorrow and they say, Glenn, I'm really sorry. I'm not going to work with you anymore. Look, How I'm, do you feel? I think it would depend on the reasons for leaving, I guess, wouldn't yeah. it? Look, yeah. If they said, I'm leaving because of you, Glenn, yeah. you specifically because of X, Y, Z reason, look, I'm just going to look in the mirror. I'm going to look at that. Is that the individual that didn't like a certain way of doing things? But uh, yes, yeah, so, look, it's on the reasons for leaving. I think I definitely take it personally when people leave. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I th you've got to. You don't employ someone with the thought that they are going to leave. I, I Probably a bad analogy, but you wouldn't build a house with your partner who you thought you were going to leave in a year. Yeah. Why yeah. would you put down those roots and go through that? You just wouldn't. Yeah. So people join us, and I've got it in the heart that they could be the next managing director. Yeah. But yeah. everybody joins. We, we join with the fanfare, don't we? With all these expectancies, all these goals set, and something, somebody somewhere through that relationship doesn't deliver. Yeah. Now, yeah. it isn't just me, of course. We've got a business there where there's stage gates or we check that, making sure that we do deliver. But you know what it's like in recruitment. It's a bit like someone wanting to be a boxer. They like the idea of it. They like the training element until they get punched in the face yeah. and realise that actually this hurts. Why? Yeah, exactly. So, go back to the question, when does it hurt? It hurts with every, and I know that might seem like a, an obvious answer, but it hurts with absolutely every single person. Really? We, yeah, we analyse it as well, Susanna. I know, so yeah. So we really analyse every bit of feedback. And if yeah. the feedback is orientated around our principles and they don't like those principles, which I'll happily discuss, then I'm okay with it. Makes sense. I'm more than yeah. happy. Everyone I've ever put in front of you, I'm not just trying to big myself up as a recruiter, but it's more you. Your every first interview that you have, you're so positive about that yeah. person. Yeah, I think you're that true recruiter in the sense that you do actually love people yes. and what's at the core of them and what yeah. makes them. Yeah, yeah. Which Personally, I believe, for anyone listening to this, is exactly what a recruiter should be. Someone yeah. who actually does like the people. Because is it, if someone came in and said, I'm in recruitment for the money, what would that make you think? Ten years ago, I would have said, that's the only answer I want to hear. Okay. Um, things have changed. Yeah. So e even Glenn Walsh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, would have only wanted to hear that. And I think my mindset was only orientated. Yeah. As I said earlier about maybe interviewing people, did I overlook personality traits that wouldn't work in the business just because I wanted to hear the money? Yeah. No, look, it's we're not a charity. It's a commercial business, so of course it's money orientated. But maybe it's an age thing. We've got people in the business who've been with me for 10, 12 years. Nice. That's a long time of their working life. Yeah. I look yeah. at our finance director. We, we, I equated the other day, 40% of her working life, she's worked in this business. Wow. It's wow. a long time. And I think because of that, then, there's got to be a lot of empathy and there's got to be a lot of understanding that you are actually sharing moments in life and 10 hours a day. Yeah. Yeah, so, like you say, you're with so the them got more to be than there. your family. Yeah, so. the heart's got to be there. And if the heart isn't there, and I think even as a leader, if you feel as though it's waning in some way and, and you, you haven't got that passion for people, mm. then I think ultimately people will see through it. Yeah, 100%. You talk about this training model that you've done successfully. Look at your growth. That's brilliant. Mm. What advice would you give to other recruitment companies who will be tuning in Ooh. and Maybe they failed, right? Maybe they've tried the trainee route. And a lot of people are saying, well, we tried it. It doesn't work because yeah. graduates come out of uni. They think recruitment is something it's not. Yeah. I like placing people in jobs, but it's not quite that, no. is it? And look, as I say, 25 years, the essence of the job hasn't changed. Technology's changed. People have changed. Relationships have changed. But the fundamentals are very similar. I read or heard a, a phrase about 18 months ago, maybe two years ago. And the phrase was, under pressure, 
you don't rise to the occasion. Mm -hmm. You fall to the level of your training. Nice. And it really resonated with me. So much so that it made me rip up the book from a training point of view. In fact, we've got a new trainer joining us in a handful of weeks who's awesome. actually come from out of the industry. Wow. So I wanted a, um, an L&D director manager to join us to, we've got the content, but how do we successfully get this content and this process into the brains and actions of yeah. trainees and even experienced consultants? If I was talking to experienced consultants, there's always a place to learn, isn't there? And I, I'm certainly when people come with us and a bit of a sell, People bill more with us. Yeah. Our structure and our process genuinely works. What's your average biller doing? Oh, oh you really can't good say question. That no, I probably couldn't well. say it to fair, <laughs> but yeah, and, and it depends on, on on what level. But we've had well, we've had a guy this year in his second year in recruitment and he's done three hundred and five thousand pounds. Awesome. So in, in milk. Yeah. Uh, in and his that second was through year. your training. Yeah, through a standing start. In fact, out of our five top billers, four of them were trained by the business. So That's whatever we're doing is working, but it's still not good enough. I still want it to be better. And look. We're not, we're certainly, obviously we deal with each other all the time. We're not adverse to, to experienced consultants. They've just got to be the right consultants. They still have that fire. still yep. have that drive. 100%. Yeah. So if I was starting my own business tomorrow and I got a load of graduates in, are you saying I would need to get an L&D specialist? Because I think what yeah. a lot of people do is they get their top biller. Yeah. Right. I'm going to train up all my staff, just do what I do. Yeah. Whereas I know for a fact, and I'm going to throw a myth at you. I know as a fact that you are a fan of KPIs. Love them. Rightly so. <laughs> I, I set my own KPIs. Yeah. But where does that, you talked about the L&D, the differentiation, I, everyone learns differently. Yeah. How does that fit into, I don't know, John over there who 10 calls, they'll get probably eight visits, whereas Joanne there will do 50 calls and maybe get five visits. I don't know. Yeah. So let's tackle the KPI. Because <laughs> I love KPIs. Okay. I do. I think because even when I first started, I saw them as my bulletproof vest. So I basically asked the question, right, so if I achieve these activities, yeah. not necessarily just the outcomes, but the activities, effectively speaking, my job safe. It was fear management back in the 90s. That's kind of, you, if you didn't achieve certain things, well, you're losing your job. Yeah, yeah. So I don't believe in that, by the way. I think that's completely wrong. And with Gen Zs, it's absolutely the wrong thing. <laughs> they to won't do. have it anyway. <laughs> They'll no, be out the door. Do you know what? You don't need to. You do. No. I just think I think it's lazy management. I do. Too. I think micromanagement through KPIs is lazy management. I think you should yeah. only have a small handful of them. Yeah. And the, particularly, it depends on who we're talking about here: trainees, managers, experience. I think they should be different for different levels. Of course. Yeah. Have to be. Yeah. Not one set of KPIs fits for everybody. But as mm -hmm. a trade, let's talk about trainees first. As a, from a trainee perspective, without those parameters, how do you know if you've been successful if you're not getting the outcomes? Yeah. We've just started a new reward in our business where we're rewarding just the success indicators to so even the basic things of how many times you picked up the phone how, how long you are in the office because in the first six months you don't necessarily earn commission i like that success so, indicator so just the key success indicators so if we use it from a sporting perspective shot on target the shot towards the goal you're going to score more goals um, now, yep. of course there's going to be an argument to say yeah but what about the quality glenn well that's what we'll train we'll train yeah. quality don't worry about quality. Oh, we'll we'll support you with that. Yeah. So that whole argument, and I hope you say the same as what I would say, is it about, but surely Glenn, why should I make all these calls? Because I'd rather make two quality calls. Is it quality yeah. or quantity? Look, Come on then. Which I one? Think, I think says the lazy recruiter. Sorry, yeah, I do. I think so too. I, I agree. Think you've got to have both. Yeah. You've got 100%. to have quality with quantity. 
And in time, your quantity may reduce yeah. once you've won your clients, but that's further down the road. But to begin with, it's got to be both. If you're making three quality calls a day, why wouldn't I want you to make 30 quality calls but a day? But why wouldn't you want to? Why wouldn't yes. you want to? Exactly. And that's it's that goal-sensitive mindset. understand for yes, yourself. Yes, absolutely. And I get that, by the way. So, so the DNA of it, again, going back to that trainee who's just started in the industry. And I think there's a fallacy in our industry that we work long hours. I did some research recently. It was 48, and I'll say you the website. It was 48 of, number 48 of the different industries and jobs in the UK for number of hours worked. Six of the top 10 were in farming, 90, 100 and odd hours. So wow. retail was way ahead of re uh, recruitment. Hospitality, way ahead. So really? there's a perception that it's long hours, but is there it? Is. There is. Is it? I think it's more, it's the intensity when you need you. to be intense, isn't it? But, that, but, that, but, but, there, but there is an, uh, another comment that you hear, isn't it? Well, I don't need to work out long hours because I, I work intense hours while I'm doing it. No, you should be doing both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's well, what, but they're yeah. more joyful. I, again, it's, so there's only a perception of long hours if you're not enjoying it. If you actually look at your watch thinking, oh, gosh, it's 6.30, 6 o'clock, I need to run out, I've got X, Y, Z, then yeah. And look, we finish at four on a Friday anyway. Yeah. So you've I got mean, to do that. It's like people saying, oh, I'm just unlucky at the moment on my desk. It's all falling apart. Well, I don't believe that luck is possible in recruitment. No. I think I'm lucky because I was at the right place when that candidate called, but I was lucky because I got that candidate out to work straight away. Yeah. I was lucky it's because I... opportunity yeah. meets preparation. So That's what true. luck is. So true. It's when you've seen an opportunity and you're prepared to go back to the training piece. That's people who sit on pity parties. Yeah. You have pity parties where it's somebody else's fault. 100%. Get looking in that accountability mirror and yeah. just do it. Action exactly, it. exactly. And I'm doing it because I want to be accountable. Success indicator. I think all companies who are listening to this could use that success indicator for you to be successful on your desk yeah. and to know your motivations. Yeah. So what is your motivation? What is your why? We could get really deep and go back to parents, <laughs> uh, which it was. No, it, it absolutely was. Look, would, I, would it be fair to say that I was probably the slightly different kid at school? Yeah. That I play a lot of sports. Yes. Yeah, we popular. Hyper competitive. Do you know what? Probably in the middle, to be fair. Uh -huh. I was, yeah, I was probably the, not the one sat by myself, probably over, like, probably overconfident for my age was probably the best <laughs> way to describe me. Where did that come from? Do you know what? I, I had a really good family. Yes. We had a family, but we had a family who were positively brutal towards each other. Yeah. We use the word banter nowadays, but the banter, if you had big ears, you were called big ears in our house. They, 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 they were ruthless. Really? But, yeah, and I think within that they taught us to, to almost debate and, and, and not be afraid to to ask questions. Yeah. So so it's probably like most current families now, but go back into let's say the nineties, it was probably quite different. But yeah. secure mum and dad together the, the the whole time they were alive, and yeah, just a really strong family upbringing. And uh, somebody asked me the question the other day about whether or not were you always going to set up your own company? Where did that come from? And when I sat and analysed it, I didn't know any difference. So my dad yeah. had a one man band. He was a one man band refrigeration engineer. Yeah. Um. Mum made bow ties while at home with two, three kids, which wow. she then sold. So I'd always worked around people owning their own business. So I think in some way, I'd never really thought about what it would be like to work for somebody else. Yeah. And I, I like what you said. Stone. Yeah. I like what you said about that positive, that positive, brutal yeah. kind of feedback. Yeah. I think a lot of families, and you can put this in management as well. They don't want to give the feedback, but you can do it in a positive way. Yeah. And I imagine that you brought a lot of that into your companies, into your Very management. Sure. However, yeah. right, and I know that this is probably going to be something that comes your way because you have this energy, this intense, great energy, intense mm -hmm. in a good way. 
surely sometimes people think, well, that's just Glenn. He's on his own path. I'm never going to be like that. I'm, uh, how do you deal with that? Because Pops. do people find it hard to relate to you? Potentially, because you are you're quite sort of unique. It's a compliment. <laughs> it is. Well, yeah. It's so look, look, from a relatability perspective, the energy is there, but I don't expect people to be replicating that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that's just me. I don't run the business from a golf course. I can't play golf. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm in early. I'm there late, but I'm not hitting people with a stick because they're not following my pathway. Sure. But like anything, you're the I guess the job of a leader and the job of a is to be have the inspiration, but also have people look up to you to say, well, I wanted that. So even the pathway of the business itself is set where I won't be there forever. I don't yeah. have plans to sell tomorrow. Absolutely far from it. And I'll always work. I can never see myself. And I'll explain probably what <laughs> I would do next. But ultimately, if you're driving a business to be always progressive moving forward, then there has to be a time when someone's going to sit at my seat and who's going to be better than me and take over what I yeah. do. So I think... And look, I think if people didn't like the energy, then they probably would hate working in the business. But eccentricity, you said the word, I use oddities and weird people. You want that because they think differently, they wired differently. So they come out yeah. with better ideas. Yeah, um, it helps others to be creative because they don't feel they have to conform yeah. into that box. Yeah. So I can. But it's more joyful agree. that, isn't it? You know, you sat in a business and you're sat there and you know factually mm -hmm. that if you said something, it would never be laughed at. Yeah. It would always be considered. Even yeah. if it had been, it wouldn't work or it would work. And I, I think one of the biggest things that happened in the business over the past few years came from an individual within the company having an idea and yeah. we rolled with it as we would do in all circumstances, yeah. uh, which was our school speakers. I think you're quite, from what you say, I, I sense that you're very fearless, right? Mm. And I'm a lot of recruiters. I looked at the top books that recruiters read, right? And yeah. Rich Dad, Poor Dad came up, yeah. Psychology of Money. Yeah. I've read a lot of these money, wealth books. Yeah. And what I'm fascinated by is that a lot of them contradict each other, like parenting books, like lots of type sales books. So a lot of them contradict each other. And so you've got like the rich dad, poor dad kind of element of the poor dad's very cautious with money. The rich dad's very like, it's not about can I afford it? It's how can I afford it? And you've got the, the one about money, which is more about saving mm. opposed to investing. You've invested a lot in your businesses, right? Yes. So are you, what is your kind of mindset with money? Because obviously you want to get to a point, I imagine, where you can retire yep. comfortably. I'm sure you're... No, no, I don't have plans to. No, we set up a charity a year ago or so. So my plans are never to, I don't, I don't think I could see myself retiring and not working. Maybe retiring from, actually, I, I couldn't see it. I couldn't see, I couldn't see what that world would look like. Or, really? Yeah. So there's no end game. It's more just the love of what you do. Yeah. But that doesn't that keep you young? Because <laughs> if it's something that you love, if it's football or whatever it may be, if you genuinely enjoy it, then yeah, you should try and keep doing it as much as you can for as long as you can. But the, there has to be a point in time, of course, just through age, through slowing down, where you might not, I might not be getting up at five o'clock every single morning. <laughs> there might be a time, ill illnesses, who it. knows? But no, let, let, let's go back to. I think it's yeah. I think th there has to be that moving forward mentality. But we look for those individuals. Again, mm. we look for the individuals who are not necessarily high octane energy wise, but just want something slightly different and want to be listened to. I think that listening to mentality make, make, makes a big difference on all nice. levels of mindset. Nice. I love that. As we are sort of drawing to a close. Oh, sorry, can I go back for a second? Actually? Can I just answer the question about money? Yeah. yeah. So 20 years ago, Glenn. Spend everything you earn, assetless, not caring, just on Quite it. materialistic, like the so. cars. Yeah, absolutely. Can't, the... Everything you'd imagine a, a nice. typical recruiter, 100%. And do you know what? 
I have no issue saying it and I like that. No worries. We've got I a think couple why of guys. Not? Yeah, why not? A couple of guys in the office at the moment who I think it's different nowadays because you can read and learn a lot about long-term and short-term investments. Yeah, yeah. Nobody was whispering in my year 20 years ago saying, Glenn, by the way, buy property, do this, invest your money in whatever it may be, crypto, whatever, maybe yeah, not. Yeah. But nobody was suggesting this. So you kind of learned just through mistakes. Go back to the business in relation to money from a business point of view. Our net profit will probably be percentage-wise a lot less than others. Okay. Because we spend a lot on the business. Yeah. If you looked at any of our environments, our offices, the if you walked into our Liverpool office, I'd be happy to challenge anyone to have a nicer office. Oh, it is absolutely beautiful. I like that. It's not all flashy though, is it? No. Doing quite a lot of new things and incentives, especially for schools. <clears throat> Tell us a bit about that. How yeah. are you differentiating yourself in the education market? Yeah. So just, it's not about flashy, by the way. It's about yeah. setting the atmosphere based on the environment that you're in. Love that. So if you walk into a, I use this probably a bad analogy, but if you walked into a Witherspoon, sorry, Witherspoons, but if you walked into a Witherspoon, people are casually spilling the beer, not caring. Yeah. You go into the toilets, we probably pee on the floor, probably a bad analogy. <laughs> you go to, into a nice, lovely restaurant, people treat it differently. Yeah. They just naturally do. So we wanted, we brought people back into the office. We wanted an office environment and space that yeah. people could just think and actually it was better than their own home. It's better than nicer than my home. Yeah. So, and I think that if you're truly investing in people, then everything's got to be thought about, even down to the pens, down to the tech, down to the systems. Yeah. Everything has got to be thought about. Sorry, I, I talked over you there. What was the question again? No, so, I love that. I just know we've got a lot of education recruitment yes. listeners in the audience and a lot of people who really care about education. We've spoken yeah. about the money side, which is being a lot of it's being invested back. How are you investing that back into the business to differentiate yourself? Yeah. Um, and I think the industry is good at it, by the way. Mm -hmm. I do. Genuinely. First, I love the recruitment industry. I think yeah. the education uh, industry, I do. You, you can't deny what we do as a job is a very good job. Yeah, it absolutely agreed. is. It absolutely is. The fact that you've got compliance, there's legality around it, it's fantastic as well because it has to be done right. So there's no gray areas, which suits me, it suits process. Mm -hmm. Go back to the ideas side of things. We actually, just coming out of lockdown, we were communicating quite a lot and looking at new differentiators. It was quite business orientated to begin with. But I don't think you can do this job, particularly in education, with a, without a high level of empathy, without a high real reasoning. You're working with schools, I've got two kids. There's yeah. a, it's got to be done right, hasn't it? 100%. Um, so coming out to lockdown, it was suggested by our creative director that there might be mental health issues where we could try and support our schools. Mm -hmm. We had a mental health practitioner working within the business. So the thought was, could we put this individual in schools for free or for minimal cost to try and support them, really? So almost like a community outreach of some sort. And it's just completely developed from there. That's awesome. So it was around about the same time. There's lots of, let's say, TV programs where you've got influencers who I don't think necessarily are positive influencers and positive influencers to kids. So we come up with the idea of our, what we call our milkfluencers, which are effectively speaking school speakers. So these individuals is really expanded dramatically now, which is, if you ask me what was the proudest thing we've done as a business over the past 10 years, this would be by far the number one. And if and when that time comes where I guess I hang up my recruitment gloves, the charity we've set up is called Make Life Kind. That's where my time will be spent. There's no question about it. So the, the actual charity itself, it, 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 it looks at social safety and stigmatized issues within the world right now. And we look to try and challenge them. So we've got a guy called Byron, who's actually a terrible story, but he goes into a schools on our behalf and actually talks to him about knife crime. 
about taking knife off the knives off the streets. We've taken over a thousand knives in the past couple of years. Wow. The youngest being six years old, by the way. So we had a six-year-old six in a school give him a knife. Wow. So he's all over the country for us in all the schools and all schools that schools that we don't work with as well, by the way. So it's not a milk wow. thing, this. This is the charity yeah. thing. We've got a, a, a gentleman called Herman. Again, tough story. Being very direct, he's, a, he's an ex-drug dealer. He talks about the life of being a drug dealer until he went to prison. And he now goes into schools and talks to kids about not living that life, not wow. going down that route. So some real strong, a guy called Abs who talks about neurodiversity. We really have some very interesting real life or individuals who, let's be blunt about it, it's not a 55-year-old white man talking about racism. It's about yeah. individuals who've got real life stories who can go into schools and really support. I We've been that. in front of 150,000 children now in the past couple of years. And from what you said about the amount of knives that you've taken, it's measurable as Absolutely. well to, yeah. to an extent. I think that's really interesting, definitely differentiates you. I'm so excited to see, because I feel like I was around at the very beginning of when you started your business. I've yeah. seen how you've got through maybe what could be described as growing pains to some people. 100%. And you've come out the other end. I can't wait to see how your model grows. I know that you've got an incredible commission structure. I know that you've got some really strong gems there. When I started Rectorec, I tried to headhunt a few. They would not <laughs> move. Yeah. <laughs> they would not move. Yeah, so don't. I know that you're onto a good thing and I can't wait to see where you go next, next on your journey. There'll yeah. be lots of people who are listening to this and they'll be thinking, I want to speak to this guy. I want to reach out to him. I want to follow him. What is their best way to connect with you yeah. and get in contact? <laughs> Look, I'm, I am an average user of LinkedIn. That's probably my only social media. But LinkedIn all day long, the, my, my mobile number's on there. Yeah, just call me. WhatsApp me, call me. Absolutely no problem at all. Even at 5 a.m. in the morning, he Absolutely is no up. Problem at all. <laughs> Apparently, um, I don't apologize, but I do I message you at that time. <laughs> yeah, but it's only because you, you don't need to apologize because I reply every time. <laughs> I know. I'll be up exercising and doing something. <laughs> yeah, look, life's too short to not want to give everything you can to whatever chosen. If the industry chooses you or you choose an industry, this job in particular, it needs your absolute, it needs obsession from you to be, I think, really successful. But if you can turn that obsession into absolutely a positive obsession and you can genuinely enjoy what you do, even in those moments of pain, well, there's positivity going to come around at some point in time. Yeah. I think it's joyful. Accepting the moments of pain are going absolutely. to happen. And living through them in the most positive way. They're part and that. parcel of the process, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, that's you know, very they, inspirational. They, 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 they just are. In fact, without them, then... You, you probably wouldn't enjoy the success. Yeah. And there's lots of motivational speeches like that, but you've got to go through the pain. And how you manage that pain, I keep using that word a lot, but it's, it's true though, isn't it, Susanna? Yeah. It yeah. is painful. You question a lot about yourself. And you can reframe that in your mind as Absolutely. well, which is true. I love that. And what a great way to end this episode. Thank you, Thank you very much for coming on. Enjoy your time in Dubai, yeah. the rest of your time in Dubai. And I look forward to hearing your next journey. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked it, please leave us a five-star review. We continually try to get the top billers in the world of recruitment to help you increase your billings, be a top commission earner, and most importantly, live your most rewarding life. You can find out about new roles on my Instagram, at Susanna Chime Search, and you can find me on LinkedIn or join the Chime Searches page to get all of the latest recruitment updates and tips. Thank you for listening.